0: Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets that are important to you. On today's show, we have a guest, and as such, I'm anticipating new listeners who probably have no idea who I am or what this podcast is about. So I'm going to use this monologue to show you around the place. Uh, Let me start by introducing myself. My name is Andy Mascola. Hello! I'm the host of People Are the Enemy. Since January 1st, 2018, I faithfully made available at least one brand new episode of this show for the listening pleasure of our subscribers and regular listeners, as well as anyone else who might happen upon it. Uh, Each episode usually consists of two segments. Now, the first being my portion of the show, wherein I deliver a monologue, uh, which oftentimes involves a slice-of-life type personal anecdote. Uh, This is followed by a short self-promotion when I remind listeners that uh, there are no ads on this program and there is no Patreon set up for it. But I am a self-published author with 10 novels currently available for purchase worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon, and I always remind our listeners that if they don't use Amazon, they can find all 10 of my novels for sale in ebook format at Google Play. So if you love what we do here on the podcast and if you'd like to help support myself and people are the enemy monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, please consider purchasing one or two of my books. Uh, the bulk of my segment uh, will sometimes have me talking with an interesting, creative person. When we don't have a guest, I like to talk about life, music, and popular culture. Sometimes it'll be funny. Uh, I've been tracking down, recently I've been tracking down thoughtful and or humorous clips floating around on social media to play for you and uh, hopefully make you smile. Now, the second segment of each episode is produced and performed by Rachel Hathaway, a.k.a. Rachel from Des Moines. This segment is titled Rachel's Chart Chat. Each week, Rachel picks apart two pop charts from the past, selects standout tracks, and plays clips of them while she provides you with interesting facts about the songs and the artists. I'm very proud of People Are the Enemy, and I love doing it every week. My goal has always been to create a podcast that I would want to listen to. And I know I've been successful because I listen to People Are the Enemy more than I listen to any other podcast. Seriously! Thank you for listening. I hope you find something to love and decide to subscribe and listen every week. My promise is to always be there for you. I'm over, In over five years, I've never missed a week. Whether I'm in a great mood and feeling well, or if I've had a not-so-great week, or I'm under the weather, I'll always be there for you. I hope you'll be there for me. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. enemy listeners this is episode 274 of the people are the enemy podcast thanks for spending time thanks for checking the show out i appreciate it our guest is glenn donaldson for nearly three decades glenn has been involved in a variety of musical projects including sky green leopards art museum the ivy tree vacant gardens and Blythe sons to name just a handful in 1999 along with lauren chase Glenn co-founded the Jeweled Antler Collective, an incestuous group of Bay Area musicians focused on self-releasing ambient avant-folk music recorded outdoors. Since the late 20-teens, Glenn's focus has been on his indie pop project, The Reds, Pinks, and Purples. Since 2019, The Reds, Pinks, and Purples have released five full-length albums with Glenn writing the songs and providing the majority of vocals and instrumentation, which he records himself. Now, I first became aware of the Reds, Pinks, and Purples via Bandcamp in January of 2020 when I came across, and quickly fell in love with, an alternate version of the Reds, Pinks, and Purples song, I'm Sorry About Your Life. 2021 saw the release of the band's breakthrough album, Uncommon Weather. This record was followed a year later by Summer at Land's End, an album that brought Glenn's project even further acclaim, the album landing on more than a few critics' Best of the Year lists. The Reds, Pinks, and Purples' latest album is titled The Town That Cursed Your Name, and it was released just last month. Now, I've been listening to this album fairly regularly, and I absolutely love it. I reached out to Glenn and invited him to talk with me for an episode of the podcast, and I was thrilled when he accepted my invitation. So, let's now speak with Glenn Donaldson of The Reds, Pinks, and Purples. Hello, Glenn. Are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for thanks for accepting my invitation. It's it's good to talk with you.
1: Yeah, looking forward to. it.
0: Right on, right on. Uh, um, I was gonna ask you, Glenn. I, I did you play? Did you play out last night? Because I saw a, a tweet about, uh, about you perhaps playing live.
1: Yeah, we played it at the Makeout Room in the Mission, which is sort of a classic. Uh, I feel like it really had its heyday in the 90s where it was featured a lot of the the slowcore acts that were happening in the bay area like american music club related things um and it's just always kind of been the local spot and it was just fun to play we haven't we've been prevented from playing because of various pandemic issues so uh, it was great to be playing again and the whole show went well and everyone had a good time i think
0: that's great now was this the the first night that you're playing songs from the town that cursed your name
1: yeah i actually didn't play too many from that record because we we haven't had a chance to 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 work those songs up i have so many songs i haven't gotten to those yet um so I guess we're we played a mix of uncommon weather and you might be happy someday and songs that no one's heard, so like brand new stuff as well.
0: Excellent.
1: Um I, I just I'm kinda whimsical when it comes to set lists. I, I'm trying to get better at it and make a normal rock set list where people know the songs, but
0: Very cool. I'm glad it was so I'm good always
1: i I'm always writing so I like to just like do what I'm doing the latest thing, you know.
0: Of course, of course. It makes sense. You want to show off the, the latest and greatest. Glenn, last year's Reds, Pinks, and Purples album, Summer at Land's End, was, I'm guessing, your project's most commercially successful thus far. Have you felt any pressure to match that success with the new record?
1: You know, I don't really think about who's that part of it. Um, I probably used to feel that pressure in, in doing musical projects. Like... Um, I guess it's just a benefit of being older. I just don't really care. (laughs) Honestly, I do what I think is great, great. And hopefully other people can connect with it. And I, I work on making it like good enough that people will be able to appreciate it. And, um, and if they do, then great. Um, I just keep doing what I enjoy doing. So there's no pressure really to like, for the albums to be great and, I mean, there's no pressure for the albums to, like, succeed on a financial level or anything like that. Um, But I hope that they do.
0: Very good. Uh, The Reds, Pinks, and Purples sound is heavily influenced by the 1980s British indie pop movement and bands like the Smiths, Felt, and the Field Mice, and, of course, Sarah Records releases. Uh, Much of this music was not easy to access or procure here in the United States upon its release. How were you first introduced to, to British indie pop?
1: I guess those are two different categories you have the more mainstream british pop stuff which like the smiths so that i did know about back then but stuff like felt and sarah records i didn't become aware of that until probably the late 90s um, because yeah you couldn't really find it over here and you had to be part of a certain kind of indie club to really know about those bands and i really wasn't coming from that uh, world. Um, but Smiths were a fairly popular band in Southern California. And so, yeah, a, a girl I knew uh, introduced me to them. It was, it was, a you know, a special moment for me.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. So I imagine by the late nineties, when you started, you know, backtracking in terms of, uh, you know, British indie pop, um, Sarah records and whatnot, you were, you were probably active online by then. Well
1: here's the the thing I mean I realize like I do like a lot of that stuff And and I do like The Smiths quite a bit Um, But also I mean That music Is influenced by things in America And Where I grew up in Southern California The Paisley Underground was one of the first things I heard And I know for a fact that, that Stuff like Rain Parade Was influencing creation records in those bands So I actually was listening to Rain Parade and Three O'Clock and Opal um, back then. So yeah, I did connect with uh, Star Records much later on, but my roots are kind of listening to REM, Murmur, and The Three O'Clock and Rain Parade um, as far as like if we're talking about, you know, Jingle Jangle. Sure. um, that, That would be where I got it from.
0: Summer at Land's End was said to be inspired in part by the 4AD Records Catalog, whereas The Town That Cursed Your Name is said to uh, be inspired by more like band- from bands like East River Pipe and uh, House of Tomorrow-era Magnetic Fields. Is there a conscious effort on your part when you're composing to make sure the songs all have a similar theme stylistically?
1: I'm really writing from the perspective of trying to make a great melody and kind of create... A story that can connect with um, the listener. And I think of the music as sort of secondary. Um, I sort of start, to, I sometimes I have a vague idea in mind. Like with Summer at Land's End, I kind of knew I wanted to make a hazy record, something that felt like romance and hazy late summer feeling. And so that's probably where the 4AD thing comes in. Um, and then after that, I was like, Feeling like pulling out my fuzz pedals, and so that's where these sort of the more college rock sound of the new one comes from. But the whole time, really, I'm working on songs. I I feel like I'm not writing to a genre. I'm just trying to make songs that can connect. And then the music, yeah, this is my background is, is punk and indie. So, and I'm not a great musician. So this is what I can achieve on my own. If I if I had my you know an unlimited budget, it might sound totally different.
0: I'd read that between uh, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, you wrote over seventy five songs. Is that true?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. I think it was probably more like eighty, and now it's up way over that. Um, I just landed on a method, and I think I ha- had this moment of clarity about who I wanted to be. In the songs, and it's not really the same as my real self, but it's as real and truthful as I can make it in terms of the perspective in the songs. But, you know, it really is nonfiction. I mean, it really is fiction, you know, masquerading as nonfiction, I'd say. Um, but the thing is, there's a truth in all of it, and it's about the feeling that I put into it. Well, do
0: you think all all 80-plus of those songs, or 75-plus of those songs, will eventually see release in some form or another. Yeah, most of them have.
1: Because, um, yeah, if you think, of, if you add it all up, how many records are there now? I've lost count. Um,
0: well, it, it's, well, as far as full lengths, you've, it's, you've been consistent.
1: <laughs> so i released a lot of them. There's, there's a bunch more left. Yeah, there's probably, like, 30 left over. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they're probably... I'm definitely going to have a new record in spring, next spring, and I'll probably put some digital stuff up um, between now and then. But for me, it's just an ongoing thing. It's it's something I really love to do. I think it's like gardening, you know. I, I some people really like to garden and and plant flowers, and that's how I look at it.
0: With uh, with all that writing, Glenn, do you ever worry about repeating yourself?
1: No, not at all. In fact, if I repeat myself, I just don't care. I just, (laughs) for me, it's the, I live in the moment as far with writing. And if, if songs resemble other songs or there are cross references, I just kind of think of them as links, you know, just like, it's all part of the same story that I'm telling with this project. And it all, it all is going to have this theme, um, and some shades will be different. As far as like, sometimes there'll be more fuzz. Sometimes there'll be uh, slower songs. I don't know, but it's all going to have the reds, pinks, and purples feeling. And um, yeah, if people get bored, they they can just skip that one and you know <laughs> listen to the other five albums. I don't know. I don't. Uh, you know, I love that Neil Young thing. Uh, I think it's on Live Rust, where someone says all the songs sound the same and uh, so Heckler says that and Neil Young answers back, It's all one song. Wow. And I just like I was completely like influenced by that. I was like, Yes, the best Neil Young stuff is just all one song and and so that's okay. I can just be this brand that people can check in with. It's gonna have this flavor and if they like the flavor I mean, if they're bored they can go to another there's nine bazillion other records to listen to, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, change that much, really.
0: Okay. All right. Glenn, you're based out of San Francisco. You're playing a few shows on the East Coast, I noticed, next month, in support of the town that cursed your name, I, su- I suppose. I- is there a plan at all for the Reds, Pinks, and Purples to tour more of North America and beyond in the coming months?
1: Uh, yeah, we're, we're doing uh, two weeks with Destroyer oh excellent um we're going from atlanta to upstate new york so that'll be our big uh usa trip and then we're putting into works right now and the works right now is a uk tour that'll be probably next spring and maybe other stuff in between depending on what kind of offers come in It's just, you know, it's a very expensive to tour and very taxing um, emotionally. So I have to be careful of what I choose because I want the band to be happy and I want to, like, have some longevity.
0: Of course. Of course. Yeah, Destroy is a great pairing. That'll be that'll be a, a great bill. Yeah, I'm a huge fan and he's yeah. like one of the contemporary
1: songwriters that I always pay attention to and always want to know like what he's up to. Yeah,
0: he's 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 uh, he's fairly consistent and consistently good, you know. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, and he he's morphed and changed and had like a long run that's yeah, really really impressive and inspiring.
0: For sure. Is there any country you haven't played that you're dying to?
1: Oh, good question. I'd love to go to Australia and play and New Zealand. I've never been to either. Um, Japan would be fun. I've been to Japan once many, many years ago, just as a tourist. Um, But I don't know. I'm not like that big on travel, but because I've done a little bit of touring and, and traveling in my life and I like being in my neighborhood and recording and writing the most, but I'd love to go out and play where there are people who want to hear this music. That's, I've got to imagine. Be fun.
0: I've got to imagine you'd be very well received in Australia.
1: I, I would hope so. I mean, I'm a big fan of Australian music for for many years, so um, and I've made some connections there over the years. So I would love to uh, play for people down there. But yeah, it's obviously it's a hotbed of some great tunes. Absolutely, since like the '80s, late '70s, you know.
0: Yeah, especially right now, it's impressive what uh, what uh, younger folks are doing over there musically. It's it's kind of wonderful to watch, especially over the last you know seven plus years. It's been great.
1: Yeah, I've been privileged to like play with some of those bands and have met a few, and and yeah, they're yeah, it's really good stuff. Awesome,
0: awesome. Glenn, I wanted to play uh, "Too Late for an Early Grave" for our audience now. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say about the song before I play it?
1: Well, that one's that one's kind of really straightforward. Is I mean the the title is obviously a bit tongue in cheek because you know I'm old. It's a joke about me being old. It, it's obviously too late for an early grave for me. Um, it would only be I don't know what you'd call it an on time grave. <laughs> <laughs> um, or yeah, an appropriate grave time, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's just about trying to get by. I don't know. Uh, yeah. There's a bit about, um, you know, working in healthcare and, uh, and trying to like, you know, wondering if, if, uh, your time in music has passed you by and, and what you've done with your life and yeah it's kind of it's kind of a harsh song but to me it's like celebratory too
0: i love it i love it it's the first song on uh, the reds pinks and purples latest album again it's titled the town that cursed your name and uh, we're going to hear it now glenn what i'm going to do is take you off speaker and i'm going to play the song and then we'll come back and finish up is that okay sure okay great so here is the first song from The Reds, Pinks, and Purples' latest album, The Town That Cursed Your Name. This is Too Late for an Early Grave.
2: too late, beat down again, no wonder you're afraid, they can throw you away, if you don't work every day, if you're sick, well that's okay, make sure you punch the clock.
0: That was Too Late for an Early Grave by the Reds, Pinks, and Purples from their latest album, The Town That Cursed Your Name. And if you love that song, I recommend you check out the album. It is wonderful. And I'll put a link to the album right in the description of this episode so you can find it. Um, Glenn, so beautiful. Thank you so much for letting me play that. Thanks for playing it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Glenn, you've released five full-length albums as the Reds, Pinks, and Purples in the last five years. Is, is your plan to continue releasing one full-length album with this project every year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would release more if I felt like people could handle it. Um, I'm just gonna... For me, the excitement is is coming up with an idea and realizing it uh, on my own with the, with the recording and you know, plugging in my big muff pedal and putting on a solo and, uh, you know, coming up with a backing part, a vocal part or something. And then I enjoy sit and enjoy the song for, you know, a minute, a few minutes. And then I really just move on. So, you know, the record, I think it's neat and I'm glad it is being documented on vinyl, but at the same time, I'm able to connect with people directly through Bandcamp and just release stuff digitally, which I enjoy just as much. And, uh, in fact, it takes out the middleman, which is nice. Um, it's it's the creative act that I enjoy, and then the rest, well, it's neat, but it's not essential.
0: Great. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you again so, so much for talking with us, Glenn. This has been so, so much fun. Cool. I'm going to hand things over right now to our friend Rachel from Des Moines, and she is going to give you the chart chat. So without any further ado, take it away, Rachel.
3: Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week, especially Tavy, who offered a fun fact about the Jets that they recorded the extended version of the Chippendale Rescue Rangers theme. It appeared on a CD called the Disney Afternoon Soundtrack, and there was also a music video. Thanks also to Andy For sharing how moved he felt by Ann Wilson's quote about the real dog that inspired Dog and Butterfly. After I listened to last week's Ep, I checked the site on Wikipedia for that quote, and it's from a Chicken Soup for the Soul book where songwriters shared their songs, the stories behind 50 popular songs. Who knew? So, catching up from last week, we had a chart from March 16th of 1985, and this whole, the whole like top 40 of this is just really amazing. Check it out if you get a chance, but here's a few picks for you. At number 78 is Operator by Midnight Star. That would make it to number 18, and it was a number one R&B hit for the group. This was the first single off of their fifth album called Planetary Invasion. And when I listen to this, like, all I can picture is breakdancing, like it should have truly been in the movie Breakin'. Um, this was their highest appearance on the pop charts, also their only top 40, uh, but they did have six other songs on the Hot 100. This group was founded at Kentucky State University, and some of the members included the Calloway Brothers, uh, who left the group in 1990. And you know them from their song, I Want to Be Rich. There's also a group member, Bo Watson, who went on to write songs for many other artists, including uh, Ladies Room by Climax. At number 63 is a song called Kiss and Tell by Isley Jasper Isley, which is described as a splinter group from the Isley Brothers, with uh, Ernie and Marvin Isley and their brother-in-law, Chris Jasper. And I'm featuring this solely because of how Michael McDonald-esque the backing vocals are. And from what I can tell, that was just those guys trying to imitate, or maybe not even consciously, but the effect is that it really sounds like him. Or a Michael McDonald, as they might say on the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. Continuing from 1985, at number 53 is Small Town Boy by the group Bronski Beat. That would make it to number 48. I first gained appreciation for this song by seeing the video on the BJ Big Suit stream, Twitch stream. It's very impactful. Uh, Bronski Beat was a Scottish English synth pop trio named for band member Steve Bronski, although that was a stage name. Um, all three founding band members were openly gay, and that's what the video deals with. I feel like with the song lyrics, it could be about anyone that's not fitting in in their small town, uh, any guy. But the video makes it pretty clear that it's about gay youth, uh, you know, maybe struggling with those feelings, that type of thing. This was the first single off of their first album called The Age of Consent. This song was a number three hit in the UK, but it is their only uh, charting single on the US pop charts. At number 29 is Turn Up the Radio by the group Autograph, and 29 was the peak for that one. This was the first single off of their first album, Sign In, Please. They were a glam metal band from Pasadena, and this song kind of represents all the glam metal, hair metal that I want to put on here, but I don't. (laughs) Uh, I learned that the name was inspired by liking the Def Leppard song, Photograph. Uh, This was their only Hot 100 appearance, but I did learn that the guitar solo from this song won Guitar Solo of the Year from Guitar Player Magazine in 1985. And finally, from 85, at number 14 is High on You by Survivor. That makes make it to number 8. That's the second single from their fifth album, Vital Signs. The Smash album, we've had songs on here from that one before. Uh, but this was their first time making it into the top 10. And I learned that the title was taken from the name of a Sly Stone album. And Jim Peterick said he liked the idea of that Stone, Sly Stone was saying he was high on the audience. That was what the U was in the original uh, quote and reference. So for this week, uh, we have a chart from 1973, March 24th. Starting off at number 92 is a song called River Road by a group called Uncle Dog. And that song made it to number 86. It was the first and only single off of their sole album called Old Hat. And I, to be honest, I chose this mainly for the band's name, Uncle Dog. I learned that they're an English blues rock band. Um, and the... This, A group where some of the band members went on to do other things so maybe though Uncle Dog wasn't very well known they went on to other success in the music industry and it kind of has a fun boogie woogie sound it's enjoyable at number 88 we have Across 110th Street by Bobby Womack that would make it to number 56 and this is from the film of the same name Uh, but it's also used in other movies including Jackie Brown and American Gangster and across 110th Street, that's one that uh, we say RIP to TCM Underground because that was a place where you would go to see movies like that. Uh, Bobby Womack is a singer-songwriter from Cleveland. Uh, his best-known hit, I think, is Looking for a Love, but he a lot of his songs went on to be covered by other artists, and uh, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009. Continuing from 73... Uh, we have our guys in Slade at number 85 with Goodbye to Jane. That would make it to number 68, uh, but it was a number two hit in the UK. This was the second single from their third album called Slade, which is spelled S-L-A-Y-E-D? This was third of seven songs to hit the U.S. Hot 100 for Slade. Uh, they had four kind of clustered together in 71 and 73, and then really nothing again until 83. And that is credited to the bump they got from Quiet Riot covering their songs. And I was gonna make a joke about Quiet Riot didn't notice this one, but then I when I was searching for the clip, I saw that a group called Britney Fox had done this one. So look out for that. And number 64 is Cherry Cherry, a live version by Neil Diamond. That was the only single from his Double Platinum live album, Hot August Night. That was I read that was the first album released on MCA Records. And I was kind of surprised to learn that this album specifically is huge in Australia, um, and it was a ten-times platinum yeah. status in Australia, which is it sold fewer overall copies, but as far as based on the population of the country, it reached that uh, ten-platinum status. And the original uh, studio version of "Cherry Cherry" was from 1966, and it was his first top 40 single. It went to number six. And for me, I came to appreciate it from hearing it in the movie Saving Silverman, which is not really a good movie, but if it's 2001 and you're a fan of Jack Black and your friend is a fan of Steve Zahn, you might go see it. For our 80s chart this week, we're in 1980, um, March 29th, and just a couple songs for you here. Um, Now, at number 82, we have a song called Bounce, Rock, Skate, Roll by Vaughn, Mason, and Crew. If you were not sure that it was 1980. That made it to number 81, but it was a number five hit on the R&B chart. It was first of three singles released by uh, the group, and it was composed of Vaughn Mason from Chicago, Jerome Bell, Greg Buford, and Ben Epps. And this is a part of that disco, or excuse me, roller skating craze, specifically roller disco craze in '79 and '80. And you can read a Wikipedia page that has all the movies and even TV show episodes that were part of that and it inspired the title of the movie Roll Bounce and appears on the soundtrack. And finally this week at number 80 is a song called Stay in Time by the group Off-Broadway or Off-Broadway USA that made it to number 51. This was the first single from their first album, On, which came out in 1979. And this group is from Oak Park, Illinois, and they got lots of airplay on the Chicago station WLS, and I first heard of Off-Broadway from being a fan of Never Not Funny and Jimmy Pardo, he talked about them and would encourage you know people that liked AOR type of music to check them out. I see them also described as being a power pop group. They had another album that came out in 80 and then two more in the late 90s. It seemed like they were still going strong until a couple years ago they lost uh, Uh, One band member to COVID and another one that had died also in the 2020s. Uh, But before that, they were still playing a lot in the Chicago area and were very well regarded in, in, in that city. That's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back
0: to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Awesome stuff, as always. You know, I had Midnight Stars. No Parking on the Dance Floor cassette. I went out and bought it as a kid. I, if, if, if the year is correct, I probably would have been like eight or nine years old. I, if that's, I can't believe it, if that's the case, but, uh, it's quite possible. I was, I was buying music and I had an allowance and I was buying music at a really young age, but I can't believe I was that, that young buying R&B and funk albums, but yeah. Uh, I loved robots, and there was a song in there called Freakazoid that used a really robotic voice in this disco song, and uh, I was just fascinated with it. I remember that. Cool, cool memory. Thanks for, thanks for uh, bringing that memory back, Rachel. That was fun. Folks, this has been episode 274 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Glenn Donaldson. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.